Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio Podcast. I am your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair and I'm thrilled to have somebody joining me today who frankly is in such demand lately that it's been hard to track this guy down. I've got Dr. Paul Thomas on this recording with me today and uh, he and I met first at the uh, Your Health Freedom Symposium in Utah uh, where we both uh, were able to speak and I was frankly, I guess not surprised at what he had to share uh, because I uh, certainly have done my share of research on uh, this topic. But uh, when you see the hard numbers, it's pretty shocking stuff. Dr. Thomas, welcome to Vitality Radio. Thanks, Jared. It's a pleasure to be with you on this show. I'm excited to have you. So uh, we have a few topics we need to discuss, but first, let us uh, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and give us a little bit of a, a feel for your history and, and uh, what you do. All right. So I grew up in Africa. My parents were missionaries, went to high school there, came to the States for college, Dartmouth Medical School, where I got my medical degree, became board certified in pediatrics. That was in 1988. I completed all that training and started teaching residents and medical students at up here in Portland, Oregon, where I still practice. And for 13 years, well, five years teaching, 13 years in a group practice with other pediatricians. And um, it was during that phase, 2004 to 2007, that I was seeing so much more chronic disease. And specifically, I each of those years, I had a kid regress from being completely normal at age one to fully autistic by age two. It's just like, whoa, wait a minute, what is going on? I didn't see any autism growing up. It, it was very obvious kids are not doing well today like they used to. You know, I was in that era where we all had childhood infections, measles, mumps, rubella, chicken mm-hmm. pox, and that was it. Everybody was healthy. No asthma, no eczema, no allergies, no ADD or ADHD, no cancer, no diabetes. I mean, just kids did fine back 50 years ago, right? I'm 64 now. So what was going on? That was the big question. And... I'd been doing enough research to have concerns about environmental toxins. Uh, You know, our world is just filled with toxins, but specifically pediatricians, family practice doctors, people who take care of children in the mainstream Western medicine uh, approach, we vaccinate. And we've always just assumed vaccines are what? Safe and effective. But that's a marketing slogan. And when I woke up to that reality and started looking at what's in vaccines, you have to put it on your radar as, okay, are we actually safe and effective or might we be causing harm? So we didn't know, at least I didn't know, but I started looking into it and it became apparent that we have a problem. So that's just a little background there. I started my own practice in 2008, uh, Integrative Pediatrics, where I practice today. So I've been here for over 13 years. And in that process of honoring informed consent, which, by the way, for your listeners, you should have a doctor who honors informed consent. And the informed consent process is important anytime anybody is asking you to do something that has risk, right? You should be informed of that risk. 
you should be informed of the benefits of this thing that you're being offered and also the risks, right? So you can weigh them out. There needs to be alternatives. And one of the alternatives for a procedure, whether it's surgery or a vaccine, should be that you say, no, I don't want this surgery. I, no, I don't want this vaccine. And it is informed consent, folks. If you're listening, you know this is true. Informed consent is under threat. And it is under a massive threat. We'll probably get to this topic later. But the COVID vaccine being mandated, any mandate removes informed consent if it's going to be enforced. Whether it's coercion that's being used to enforce it or whatever is being used, uh, that destroys the process of informed consent. And I don't feel that that is ethical. But pediatricians in general have always sort of gone to the CDC, Center for Disease Control, that puts out annual recommendations for vaccines. We were taught in medical school, here's the schedule, this is what you do. Never what was in the vaccines, never that vaccines cause any harm. And in fact, each year, the CDC, through their committee that makes immunization practice recommendations, ACIP, would come out with a change, usually almost always an addition, or they move a vaccine as they did in 2001 from teenagers to newborns, they move the hep B. That was when I got my wake up call. Wait a minute. Why are we injecting newborns for a disease you catch from sex and IV drug use? It didn't make any sense. It makes even less sense today because we now know it's not protective. It's not giving lasting protection. And 99% of moms in America don't have hepatitis B and a hundred percent of moms delivering in the hospital or 99% of moms delivering in the hospital know their hepatitis B status. So right. we not only know that they're at zero risk, that baby is at absolutely zero risk for hepatitis B, and yet you're still going to inject 250 micrograms of aluminum, a toxic dose of aluminum. I went on too long. Uh, that's my background. I started this practice. I get 30 to 40 newborns a month. I have since the day I opened my clinic, basically. People are looking for doctors who honor informed consent because they want to have the ability to make a choice for themselves about what they do with regards to vaccines. Frankly, what you do about anything when it comes to your children's health care, that should be a decision parents make, not the state, not the school, not some public health official who, unfortunately, it's become clear our public health officials are beholden to the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Just two days ago, I was uh, at the dentist. That in and of itself is not funny. But uh, <laughs> I was in there to have a procedure and he gave me two sheets of paper. One was double-sided with all of the stuff I needed to know about the procedure he was about to perform, also known as informed consent, right? Uh, the potential risks, right. the benefits, had I uh, discussed the procedure with my dentist, uh, you know, and so on and so on. And I had to read through, I think it was probably close to 25 or 30 different items on these two pages to determine whether or not I wanted to undergo that procedure. And that is pretty standard for most things in medicine, uh, you know, anytime you're going to go in and have a surgery or, or anything, like you said, where there's risk. And yet when it comes to vaccines, that seems to be, I mean, you can ask the questions, but most of that stuff isn't really freely offered anyway. And then as you stated with uh, the COVID vaccines, my goodness, we, you know, it's an experimental use for one thing. So we don't even know fully what's in these things and the informed consent is is essentially gone under any mandate that would take place, whether it's from your employer or from the government. 
I spent almost four hours at the state capitol here in Utah yesterday battling for a bill to block the mandates, uh, block businesses from mandating these vaccines for their employees, as I feel I'm sure as strongly as you do about uh, the, con- the major concerns with being told that we must inject ourselves with anything. I don't care if it's vitamin right. D. Uh, people right. get the opportunity to say no to medical procedures uh, in pretty much every facet of life up until vaccines and particularly these vaccines. So yeah, I appreci- appreciate what you're doing. But of course, people like you uh, are generally frowned upon by uh, medical boards and things like that. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's been happening with you in uh, that arena. Sure. Well, let me give a little lead up to that. Okay. So I opened my practice in 2008 and you know we're providing the most amazing kind of care. We call it integrative medicine, where you bring in the best of herbal medicine, you know, nutritional counseling and guidance, not just relying on pharmaceutical approaches, basically almost like whole wellness, health that looks at root cause, right? I mean, you don't just put a bandaid on a symptom, which is how most doctors are. Have, I was trained that way, honestly. Oh, you have an ear infection. Here's your amoxicillin. Oh, you've got ADD, ADHD. Here's your Ritalin or, or Adderall. Um, you know, it's, it's very reflexive. It's just diagnose and treat. True health and wellness starts with you. And if you're listening, you know this. It, you make good lifestyle decisions and you will be more healthy. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's what you eat. It's getting enough rest. It's getting some exercise. It's avoiding toxins and on and on, right? There are so many things that we are in charge of. Well, we should be in charge of what we put into our bodies, including vaccines. So that's the premise of my practice since I opened it 13 and a half years ago was informed consent. That was the only requirement to work here. You have to honor informed consent, period. I mean, obviously, we look for people who are good hearted and, and loving and, and smart, intelligent, kind, all those good things. But that was the only rule, honor informed consent. It's amazing how difficult it is to find doctors or nurse practitioners willing to work under that simple little guidance of honoring informed consent that everybody should do. I, people are threatened now and under all this pressure that you could lose your license, which is, we're going to get to that, what happened to me. So in 2015, so six years ago, I had enough data in my practice that I thought I should see what we're finding. Let's just look at it. So I got an institutional review board, IRB approval to retrospectively just look at my data. Let's just see how the kids are doing relative to how they vaccinate. And the information was so alarming. I tried to get it published. I was not successful. So I wrote the Vaccine Friendly Plan, the book that was published in 2016. Basically, it outlines a different approach to that of the CDC, uh, one where you slow down the vaccine schedule. You, it recommends no vaccines in pregnancy, not doing Hep B for newborns unless their birth mother has Hep B, and just you know one aluminum-containing vaccine at a time, delaying the MMR till age three. You know, just a number of changes that seemed common sense given the science we had up to that point. That book seemed to have put a target on me because the medical board started coming after me and literally. For the last three years, I have had a, a almost monthly something coming from the board. It results in almost weekly, sometimes daily uh, emails between attorneys. It's just been endless. Um, 
So that's been my life for the last few years. Uh, absolutely insane. Interesting one happened in February of 2019. I get a letter from the board asking me to prove that the vaccine-friendly plan was as safe as the CDC schedule. Now, I had to chuckle on that one because the CDC has never done any study of safety on their own schedule. Right. But they want me to prove that my schedule, which, by the way, it's not a schedule. It was just a series of recommendations based on the science we had available at the time. My book has over 100 peer-reviewed references uh, it's not a schedule per se. It's just here's some ideas of how you might consider vaccinating. Needless to say, they wanted me to prove that my approach was as safe as the CDC's schedule. After laughing a little bit, I thought, oh, actually, a friend said, Paul, I wish I had thought of this. It was so brilliant. Paul, why don't you just do a quality assurance analysis? Look at your data and see what you find. Because you don't need an IRB to do a QA, quality assurance analysis. In fact, hospitals do this all the time. Uh, large uh, health plans do this all the time. It's looking at the quality of the care you're giving when you've done an intervention. Like if you do something different, you should ethically look at it and see if you're hurting or harming your population. So I thought, okay, let's do it. I hired a guy to come in. He was a pediatrician, neonatologist, informatics expert. I mean, a nerd, right? This guy, that's what he does. He, he digs for data. He spent a week in my office. He comes in. He says, Paul, I, I want to let you know I'm a data guy. I'm just a nerd. I don't know what we're going to find, and I will report whatever we find. That's the way I operate. I said, fine, no problems. I don't, I don't know what we're going to find either. I had a hunch, and I can tell you what that hunch was. Going into it, I have two waiting rooms a sick waiting room and a well waiting room. And over the years, I saw my sick waiting room get emptier and emptier and emptier and my well waiting room, standing room only, okay? Hmm. My hunch was that was somewhat related to the fact that unvaccinated patients seemed healthier. I mean, that was just my gut feeling. I rarely saw sick kids who were unvaccinated, but maybe, maybe I was mistaken. Let's look at it. So that's what we did. We generated this data set, every patient born into my practice, and we de-identified that data, and I sent it off to Jack Lyons-Wheeler, who became my co-author in the paper, Relative Incidence of Office Visits and Cumulative Rates of Bill Diagnoses Along the Axis of Vaccination. That's this paper right here. All right. All right. You will see in orange are the lines of illnesses for vaccinated, and in blue are the unvaccinated. It didn't matter what we looked at, everything we looked at over those that 10 years of that data set, if you were vaccinated over the years, you had more and more of these conditions. And we're talking, I'll read off a few of them for your listeners because they may not see this. Asthma, allergic rhinitis, breathing issues, behavioral issues, ADD, ADHD, respiratory infection, otitis media, ear pain, other infections, eye disorders, eye infections, eczema, dermatitis, urticaria, and anemia. That's a lot of conditions for which there was powerful, statistically valid proof that the vaccinated weren't doing as well as the unvaccinated. Or put another way, if you were unvaccinated, you rarely have these chronic conditions. So that was published in November, November 22nd of 2020, so a year ago. That was available online for the public to access on November 28th, 2020. Five days later, on December 3rd, I get a call from my attorney. 
The Oregon Medical Board just met and your license has been suspended on an emergency basis. You are not to call patients, see patients. You can no longer practice medicine. Bam. Clearly, this was in response to this article, and that's because I already had several open cases with the board trying to give them this information that they wanted and that information that they wanted. They've been fishing for years. Mm -hmm. So that's when I was no longer able to practice medicine. June 3rd, six months later, they suddenly reinstated my license. Uh, it was something my attorney was able to negotiate with them as long as I didn't talk about vaccines, Okay, <laughs> which is curious. Apparently, the board does not want me talking about vaccines. Which is especially curious uh, for a pediatrician. Yeah. <laughs> so, And I was not to see well children, which, by the way, if you have not figured this out, if you're listening, if you're a parent, well child visits in pediatrics, I've, I had figured this out like 20 years ago is basically for most of those visits. Now, I'm not saying you should never have a well visit. That's not what I'm saying. But most of those visits are timed so that you can give vaccinations. Mm -hmm. The purpose of most of those visits is to vaccinate your child. Try going into a well visit and tell your pediatrician that you don't want any vaccines. You will get major pushback. Yeah. One of the reasons for that is there's this massive financial incentive to vaccinate. I remember 20 years ago or 15 years ago, a patient coming up to me and saying, well, you're profiting from these vaccines, Dr. Paul. I says, oh, no, the markup's tiny, which is true. The actual markup, like from wholesale to retail, sometimes we're making a few pennies, sometimes it's a few dollars. Uh, it's not a big markup. But what I didn't realize, and I've now published a paper on this, there is a massive financial reward for what they call the administration fee. So for every single vaccine, and it's actually not the actual needle, but the actual number of antigens in the needle. So like mm. when you give a DPT, that's that's considered three shots. Right. You get compensated as a pediatrician giving these shots, about $40 for the first antigen and $20 for subsequent antigens. So on a two-month or six-month visit where you're giving six needles and seven or eight, no, eight or nine antigens, mm. you're making hundreds of dollars. Per patient. In admin yeah. fees mm -hmm. per patient. So we did the math in my practice and we published this study. Uh, bottom line is I lose over a million dollars a year on the vaccine administration fees that are not being given that I'm supposed to give. Wow. So if I go in, if I go into you, you come into my office with your child and you're saying, well, doc, um, you know, I, I'm worried about the giving so many shots at once and, and or I don't want to give any vaccines or I want to give all the vaccines. If I give informed consent, that process, well, here's the risks, here's the benefits, here's some of the things to consider, and you end up not vaccinating, I just lost a ton of money. Right. Now, what pediatricians actually do is they go, okay, well, it's time for your shots, and they walk out the door. Here, read this. The nurse comes in with the shots. It's an assumption. We've actually been trained on how to do this so, so we kind of can avoid the discussion. Mm -hmm. It's very... Uh, high, I mean, they figured this out. Yeah. This is how you get parents to vaccinate without having to have the discussions, which actually, therefore you're avoiding informed consent and you're making your money. Right Now, of course, it's all done in the context and the pretense that, well, we're, we're helping you build immunity to these diseases. And I'm not denying that some of the vaccines do give you protection against some of the diseases. They do, but that's just one side of the equation. 
a lot of times you have all these other side effects as outlined in my study. And you were at the conference where I presented other studies as well. Yeah. I mean, there are several faxed, unvaxxed studies out there now. We have enough information to know that there's a lot of harm being caused by the current vaccine schedule and people just don't know it. Most doctors are completely unaware that all these chronic conditions or many of these chronic conditions are even related at all to vaccines. They still think vaccines are safe and effective. And that, folks, is a marketing slogan. So, Okay, that was a long-winded uh, bring you up to where I'm at with the board now, right? Right. Okay, so latest update. Uh, I've been responding to all these board requests for since I lost my license, got it reinstated. Uh, I no longer talk about vaccines. I no longer see well kids in my practice. And then yesterday... This is, you all listening are the first to hear this. I, I mean, I just told my staff yesterday, but that's it. Um, I've been given an offer from the Oregon Medical Board to uh, basically, in exchange for me not seeing pediatric patients ever again, I'm allowed to see adults. Uh, mind you, I am a pediatrician. I'm also an uh, integrative medicine doctor, so I mean, technically, I I could do integrative medicine for adults. Um, I am licensed and, and I've got training in that area. So, so yes, I could see adults and do wellness type work, right? Mm -hmm. But in exchange for never, ever again seeing a child in the context as a pediatrician, they will give me back my license. And um, that's interesting. And the, 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 the part of this that, you know, I mean, you folks who are listening, you're, you're just hearing a guy share his journey and at a moment in time where I'm still processing this. Right. I mean, it's been less than 24 hours since I got that email. My attorney is telling me, take the deal. And the reason he's saying that, and I know what he's saying is, for the most part, spot on true. Medical boards are all powerful and accountable to no one. They rarely allow you to win in court. Okay, so we have a court date set for January. It's a two-week trial in front of a judge. Now, these judges are almost always in the pocket of the system. Right. So it's sort of like a kangaroo court. But as he puts it, even if I were to win the case with the judge, and let's say the judge says, yeah, we've my finding is that Dr. Thomas, Dr. Paul Thomas should have his license reinstated. The board has the option to ignore that judgment. So they still can take away my license. And if, if they do, they can have me pay for all of their attorney fees as well. Wow. And they have there and there's no recourse to it. They are all powerful and accountable to no one. So my attorney's going, Paul, this is a way better deal than I thought you were going to get. So just the so, fact that you could still be a doctor, albeit not a pediatrician. I'll, exactly. As and, medical and, boards and go, I'll, that's a good deal. Yeah. So that's funny. I was talking with my parents this morning because they're both alive and they're, they're you know, smart and, and they obviously care about me. And I'm just processing it with them. And my dad goes, what do you think's going on? Why would the board do that? And of course, we can only speculate. Sure. But- one would think that they are afraid of the data that I have and probably, well, 
I got a letter some years back from a fellow pediatrician in the community who said, you are single-handedly destroying the immunity of the community. Right. Okay. So it's this fear that the unvaccinated people are a threat. And folks, it couldn't be more backwards than, than, than that. Because take COVID, for example, because that's the big scare, right? I mean, the t- if you watch TV, all you're hearing is that everybody's getting COVID mm-hmm. and the hospitals are full and it's a, a, a problem of the unvaxxed. Well, it would be a detailed, lengthy discussion to explain to you why that's false, but you just have to look at places like Israel and look at the real data, uh, other places around the country, and understand what they've done here to know that that's not true. Okay, They've stopped looking at reinfections in the vaccinated in this country, so they just don't even track it. And they've changed the definition So to be vaccinated in this country, to be considered vaccinated, you have to have had both your vaccines. Pretty soon they'll add a booster to this. In Israel, you have to have had the booster or you're considered unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. But in this country, let's say you're you're doing Moderna or or Pfizer. Mm -hmm. It's a two-shot series. You get your first shot. You wait three or four weeks. You get your second shot. You wait another two weeks before you're considered vaccinated. Right. If you look at where all the deaths and all the harm is coming, this includes hospitalizations, it's in the first week after the first or second shot. Well, all of those people who are filling the hospital from vaccine reactions are being called COVID in the unvaxxed. Mm-hmm. So that's just part of the problem. It, it goes way beyond that. Anyway, we have a problem, folks. We have a vaccine. They're calling it a vaccine. It's actually a genetic therapy, gene therapy, because we're inserting through that needle messenger RNA, or in the case of Johnson & Johnson, it's DNA that converts to messenger RNA. But the bottom line is the messenger RNA, which is a code of genetic material, enters your cells and basically hijacks your cells and starts programming your cells to make spike protein. Spike protein is the toxin. Your immune system hopefully will respond to this toxin and go, whoa, you're not supposed to be here and shut it down. Okay. What's unfortunate though, is that in the meantime, for many people, that spike protein is all over your body and it is such a dangerous molecule that it's causing blood clotting at at the tiny blood vessel level. So when you have symptoms anywhere in your body that are bizarre, it's probably from the emboli, the little microscopic clots that are happening in small vessels. We know it's just devastating that. It's, it's messing up people's immune systems. So now cancer is returning with, a, with a, a vengeance. I mean, people getting recurrent cancers are being reported and, and on and on, right? Just the side effects alone with deaths, I think we're over 18,000 deaths reported in VAERS. Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System is VAERS. It is the passive reporting system. I mean, when they add a new vaccine or a new treatment like this, they should be tracking unvaxxed and vaxxed and watching them ongoing. Right. Right. Even the original trials that are supposed to end in at the end of 2022 or in 2023 have already been destroyed by allowing the unvaxxed in those trials to get the vaccine. And the reason, the rationale is, well, it would be unethical mm-hmm. to let those poor people not get this wonderful vaccine. 
We've stopped every other trial on vaccines when we exceeded, I believe it's 50 or less deaths, something like that. Most of them are stopped when you have less than 10 deaths. We're at 18,000 and counting, and that's an underestimate of the deaths. So there's this complete disconnect between what we're actually seeing, the, the horrible side effects of the COVID vaccine, if you'll call it a vaccine, and the outcomes, which are horrendous. And it doesn't even protect. That's why they're saying if you've gotten the vaccine, you need to wear masks. And now they're coming for our children, folks. This, what's so horrifying about that, so the FDA approved it, and then the ACIP, the committee that makes immunization recommendations for the CDC, unanimously also recommends this for 5 to 11-year-olds. Those of us who understand this are horrified. Here's why. Kids don't die from COVID-19. They don't, their response to SARS-CoV-2, this virus, even though this virus is worse because it, it appears it was manipulated in the lab to be more infectious, even with that, kids have a innate immune system that takes care of it because they've seen coronaviruses before. So their immune system recognizes this and goes, eh, you're out of here, before it even multiplies to the point of making any problems for most people. I have 10,000 children in my practice. Not a single one has ended up in the ER or the hospital from COVID-19. Not one. They're not vaccinated. Wait a minute. We need to vaccinate 10. Well, okay, they're not all over age five, but at least 5,000 of them are. We're going to vaccinate 5,000 kids when they don't need it at all. Right. The, the harm that would come by vaccinating 5,000 of my patients would be untold. We're talking myocarditis would be seen for sure. We may have a death or two. We're going to have autoimmune and allergy issues like we don't even know. And here's the other problem. We just don't know. Yes. They did a small study on kids that lasted at the longest part of it was there were two studies. One was weeks and the other was two months. And that's it for a vaccine or treatment, genetic treatment, whatever you want to call it. That is, first of all, emergency use only, was never tested on children, has no long-term safety studies, and it has not been approved because it's emergency use. So, in fact, one of the doctors on the, on the um, committee said, well, we won't know what it's going to do until we start giving it. So a base, basically an admission that we're going to experiment on the population and see what happens. Yeah, and, and, well, a, and a mass experiment at that. We're not talking about experimenting. I mean, that's the thing about a trial. You bring in a few hundred or a few thousand. We're talking millions. Right. And exactly. The, the, and it, this hits close to home for me. I've got an 8-year-old and an 11-year-old. So all of a sudden, you know, they're on that list. Of course, they won't be receiving yeah. this. But uh, I, when you see, if you're a parent or a grandparent or, well, both, I guess, the logic or lack thereof, I guess, of thinking that these vaccines are even useful for your kids is, is there's just nothing there because we have now, what, a, 18, 19 months of evidence that kids just don't have issues with COVID-19. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, unless they're incredibly ill to begin with, there's the risk is negligible. There's almost nothing there. It's yeah, it's one in a million to one in a billion, your chance of dying. Yeah. So then and, I have a question for you based on the research that you've done in your uh, in your clinic uh, with the kids vaccinated versus unvaccinated uh, and what you've seen. My feeling on this is that 
five to 11 year olds for a, a few reasons are at a higher risk of vaccine injury than are uh, adults. Uh, and, and I have my, my thoughts on that. I'm happy to share, but I'm curious what your thoughts are in terms of the risk for kids versus the risk for adults for these same vaccines. Well, the, the risk in general of vaccination has always been greater the younger you are. Mm -hmm. And this has to do with the fact that it's a smaller body. And so whatever toxins are in that vaccine are more concentrated relative to your body weight, for one thing. Mm -hmm. Another thing is that the immune system is still developing. And, and in fact, we know uh, your neurological system and your immune system are developing right up into your 20s. So if you interfere with the natural development of your nervous system or your immune system uh, by overstimulating it, and that's what vaccines do, they overstimulate it, it creates a situation, uh, a term we use is immune activation. So if you overactivate the immune system at a very young age, and this it definitely applies for the womb, which is why if you're pregnant, it, it's insanity to, to overstimulate your immune system on purpose. I mean, if it happens because you got an infection, well, it happened, but you wouldn't purposely go and overstimulate your immune system because immune activation in pregnancy can cause, I mean, it's been linked with autism, it's been linked with developmental delays, uh, all sorts of problems. So that's a reason right there to pause the younger and younger you are. There seems to be something unique about this COVID-19 shot with this myocarditis issue. And uh, I'm not sure, You sounds like you might know why. I, I'm not sure I can explain why kids are more vulnerable. Uh, although I'll tell you, I just yesterday, one of my sons who's 21, or did he just turn 22? He just had a birthday. His coworker, who's in his early 30s, has a couple young kids, got the shot the COVID-19 vaccine. And he's talking to me on the phone yesterday and says, I ended up in the ER with my heart. I was having heart pain. Uh, I couldn't breathe very easily. Something was going on with his heart. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear. I mean, he ended up with an MRI and a, and a, a echocardiogram and all sorts of stuff trying to figure out what's going on. It was right after his vaccine, his second one. And every doctor he saw from the ER to the cardiologist says, well, it's probably not, has nothing to do with the vaccine. Uh, you know, we just don't know enough about this vaccine yet. So it's, it's going to exactly. take time to tell. I mean, here it is in their face, a young, healthy male who's never had a health problem in his life is having cardiac symptoms after the vaccine when it's already been documented that this is a related thing. It's even now been acknowledged. And, and mainstream is going to just say, well, we don't know. So, yeah, yeah, we have a massive problem on our hands with a system that doesn't want to look, doesn't even want to see what's going on. Yeah. And, and my, my suspi suspicion, obviously, the smaller body is a big deal. And that's one of the things that I was concerned about. But also, based on the vaccine schedule for all the other vaccines, uh, these th those in that age group are being subjected to a much higher load of these vaccines and the overstimulation of the nervous system and the immune system, as you discussed. And then now we're tacking on another couple shots on top yeah. of that schedule, which is already a really massive schedule. And I would anticipate, yeah. tell me if I'm wrong, you're the, you're the guy who, who sees these patients, that uh, many parents bringing their children in for the COVID shot would potentially get the COVID shot at the same time as other shots. Is that going to be a thing that happens, do you think? Well, chances are, so far to date, 
the CDC that makes the recommendations, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> and all the doctors that support them, they have always said you can give simultaneously as many vaccines as you want. They have always held that party line with no science to back it up. Right. It is just a, a, a theory that it doesn't matter how many vaccines you give, the immune system can handle it. And we know that's not true. Here, here's an example. Measles, mumps, rubella. That is a three-shot. I mean, there's three different diseases, all live viruses being injected at once. We know that that shot is associated with a lot of ER visits and a lot of seizures. Uh, one published study was one in 5,000 seizure rate. Another one is much it's much higher than that. They're having a lot more seizures. But if you add the varicella to it, so they, in their brilliance, they came up with a MMRV, so measles, mumps, rubella, and varicella. So now we can have four live viruses in one needle. The seizure rate doubles. It drops from one in 5,000 to one in 2,500. Wow. And there's a significant percentage of those seizures become permanent seizure disorder or epilepsy. So that's just an illustration of the point you're making. And it's so true. I think one of the factors that makes kids so much more vulnerable to damage from vaccines is just what you said, too many, too soon, all at once. And the cumulative toxicity of aluminum, for example. I mean, half the vaccines on the schedule have massive, I mean, way too much aluminum. We know you're not supposed to exceed, according to the FDA, that document has been live for 20 years. You're not supposed to exceed five micrograms per kilogram per day of aluminum in a parenteral injection or infusion. So that the Hep B has 250. Most of the vaccines on the schedule have at least 250. Just the Prevnar has 125. But we're talking massive doses of aluminum. And they're cumulative. And it, once it's in your body, it has a half-life of seven years. So that whole massive schedule that you got as a child it's going to take you decades to get rid of it. For, I mean, for it to naturally sort of process through your body. We're talking metal. Metal doesn't dissolve. And actually, it's a Trojan horse mechanism that takes the aluminum from the injection site all over your body. Here's what happens. In that needle are these little teeny particles of metal. They're injected into your arm or your thigh or your butt. And your white blood cells, think of them as Pac-Man, comes and gobbles up that little piece of metal, that aluminum, and carries it all over the body. Well, white blood cells only last four to six months. That's their lifespan. So when that white blood cell is in your brain and dies, because they're circulating everywhere in your body, it releases that aluminum now in your brain. So Trojan horse takes the aluminum from the site of the injection of the site of your vaccine to your brain, your kidneys all over, and you wonder why we have problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so... Man, I have a few questions. I want to go backwards a little bit uh, into what you were talking about. I didn't want to interrupt, but but you brought a couple of points up that I thought were really uh, important that maybe we can flesh out a little bit. So the first question I have is basically parents who are concerned about uh, vaccines and their children, they seem to come in three groups. There are those who just simply think they shouldn't vaccinate. There are those who think that the schedule is studied and proven to be safe and they should follow the schedule. And then there are those who believe that the vaccines are really important, but they're nervous about the schedule and would want to follow something more like what you talk about with your book, the the vaccine friendly plan. 
those are kind of the, the three ways you can approach this. I suppose the vaccine-friendly plan also, uh, also would include some recommendations that maybe some of the vaccines, such as the Hep B at birth, just simply shouldn't be done. Is that accurate or in, in your estimation anyway? <sighs> yeah, I have to clarify something. So you left out the group of parents who are well aware of the risks and don't want to vaccinate at all. Well, that was the first group I mentioned. That's me. <laughs> okay. Good. So I I come from a long line of people who feel that way. So, but Good. but I talk to a lot of people in all three of those segments. People that have read right. read the books and read the studies and think this just simply isn't worth the risk for a healthy child. And then, yep. like I say, the people in the middle because there's a lot of pressure, right? I mean, the, the, this vaccine oh, thing so much pressure. You can't go to school. You can't do this or that if you're not fully vaccinated. And we've seen it with it COVID requires big time. Anyway, go ahead. Oh. Exactly. Okay. Let me first just clarify something about the vaccine-friendly plan. When I got that book published in 2016, it was it was an attempt to wake people up. Okay. I'm, I'm, I was looking at that moment in time in our country where probably 95 to 98% of the population was following the CDC schedule. And that was just horrifying to me because of the science that I present in that book that shows, for example, there's no logic to giving 250 micrograms of aluminum to a newborn on day one when they have zero risk for the disease that that vaccine is covering. And that vaccine doesn't even give lasting protection. So when that newborn is 18 and having sex, they don't even have the protection that they would have had had they gotten that as a teenager. Right. So things like that. What I didn't have at that time, though, although my gut was telling me what I'm about to tell you is true, what I didn't have at that time was all these vaxxed, unvaxxed studies. And what I now know, so my own data, right? This data that I just held up here, this stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that at that time. I, I had an inkling, but I didn't have it in a really good format where I could go, oh my God, that data is not CDC versus unvaxxed. That is vaccine friendly versus unvaxxed. Yeah, so are many of your patients, or at least uh, up to that point, were were receiving vaccines, but on a slower pace, a, a more exactly. health friendly schedule. Most of the, yeah, most of those patients are vaccine friendly vaccinated patients. Okay, so what can you make of that? The vaccine friendly plan is not friendly enough, folks. Period. It is still way too many vaccines too soon. Uh, the safest schedule since I'm not going to be able to see kids soon anyway. <laughs> I, by the way. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm glad you can laugh about it. Uh. <laughs> uh, just shoot yourself in the foot. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about vaccines to my patients. So what I'm sharing on your show here is purely informational. This is not a, a go do this. Obviously, take this information and, and run it by your trusted healthcare provider. But I do not think that there is a safe vaccine, period. Some are safer than others, but this data that I brought to the world, and there are other studies like it, it's not the only one, they're all showing that we're causing a massive amount of harm with our vaccines. And so we have to scrap it and go back to the beginning. It's not that I'm anti-vaccine. Uh, show me a truly well-done vaccine that's safe right? Where you're not injecting toxins, you're, you're just boosting naturally the immune system, almost like a, a, an, 
an attenuated version of an infection that's truly dangerous. And you can have that infection in a less dangerous way without poisoning the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the theory is wonderful. I mean, that's what we need is safer vaccines. We, we have some that are safer than others. We certainly have some that are way more dangerous than others. And the COVID vaccine, folks, if you can even call it a vaccine, it's, it's really gene therapy. There's never been anything more dangerous brought to market than that one. Nothing. I mean, VAERS, we talked about earlier, Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, has been in place for 30 years. If you look at all the deaths reported over those 30 years, COVID in one year exceeds all deaths from all other vaccines combined. Combined. In one year, we have exceeded the deaths caused by every vaccine brought to market since they started tracking 30 years ago. If that doesn't wake you up, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And my, my great hope, you know, there's always, or at least theoretically anyway, there's always a silver lining to all this stuff, right? My great hope with this COVID thing, because it has been brought to bear in such a powerful way on all of us, is that those who were simply unaware and we're under the assumption that, hey, you know, this stuff's, uh, these vaccines are safe and effective because that's what we've always been told. And I would say indoctrinated right. with um, that's what it is. And with the COVID vaccines, people, everyday average folks who are 100 percent on board with whatever the CDC and their family doctor or pediatrician recommends when it comes to vaccines are meeting people who have been injured because it's happening yep. so much right now or are so becoming much. injured themselves. No, no yep. kidding. An hour before we started, I received a text message from one of our uh, clients at Vitality Nutrition. And she said, I have not been able to stay well in three months since I got my second uh, shot. Uh, I'm, I'm, I know her, I know her well. She's a, she's a, a, a regular client of mine and we've never really had a conversation about vaccines, just, you know, vitamins, minerals, herbs, the things that I do every day. And, uh, she's, you know, baffled at how she could be so ill all of a sudden for the last three months and trying to figure out what the heck she can do about it. There are people like her that I hope will look at that and say, oh, maybe safe and effective doesn't mean what they want us to think it means when it comes to these vaccines and that people are waking up to it. And I certainly am seeing that because the, at the state capitol yesterday, there were six or 700 people, 150 lined up to speak on this bill that uh, it's 2004 uh, in the legislature here in Utah that is essentially aiming to bar businesses from mandating a vaccine of, of any kind uh, and uh, allowing for full exemption uh, of those vaccines for anybody who wishes an exemption. And there are hundreds of people there fighting for that. And I think, I don't know, I don't know what the percentage is. I think a lot of them are, are definitely vaccine hesitant, specifically with this vaccine, but certainly I know some of them are just simply pro-freedom and don't want the government telling us what we can and can't, or what we must and must not put into our bodies. But the the numbers are climbing of people that are becoming aware and this information is getting out there. And of course, it's being suppressed and censored like crazy as well. So that brings me actually to my next question. What is it about vaccines? Because there are so many MDs, licensed practicing medical doctors like yourself, or well, like what you formerly were anyway, you're uh, in suspension now, 
but uh, who are writing books about alternative therapies for heart disease and diabetes and people claiming they can cure type 2 diabetes in their books and all these other things. And none of these people, as far as I know, are being blacklisted for that or having their licenses removed. They have books that are full of evidence, that have studies that have been done that show that what their stuff, what they're recommending can work, just like your book. And yet they're not at threat. But as soon as a doctor mentions anything in a book about vaccine hesitancy or concerns over vaccines or the schedule or any of that kind of stuff, they come out of under fire as fast and as hard as anything. Like you said, your data was published for five whole days before yeah. you got a call from your attorney. What is it about vaccines that make them such an untouchable topic? What are, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I have pondered that question a lot. I imagine you have. Because I've been in this world of being aware that vaccines are causing harm for over two decades. And the only thing, there, there's there's two things that I can think of. Okay. The obvious one is conflicts of interest and massive profits. Mm -hmm. um, money always changes how we perceive things. So take my pediatrician peers. Uh, the profits from vaccines are now so great that I guarantee you their practices would fail. Probably 90 to 95% of the pediatric practices in the country would absolutely collapse and close their doors if they did not have those profits. So even though they're not acknowledging it at a conscious level, their managers know. And I think at a subconscious level, they do know. It, it's like, sh sh what is it? Don't shoot the mouth that feeds you or how, how is it? Uh, yeah, don't bite the hand. The, the hand, there you go. I grew up in Africa. <laughs> I, I get these things all mixed up. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. So, so I think there's, sorry, you should laugh at me. There, there's a, so there's the financial thing, Right. Right. Because money That's one is thing. always a factor, no matter how much we it's want to believe it's factor. not, and, especially in healthcare. So, so anybody can understand that that's a factor. Right. I mean, you, there's no conspiracy about that. It's just such a massive financial incentive that that could be enough, but it feels to me, honestly, that it's more than that. Okay. So then you've got to wonder, well, what, 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 why would, what else would be going on that's more than just money? And what woke me up to the fact that there has to be something more than that is the way in which media, and we're talking both regular television, the news, mm -hmm. and social media, most of the big platforms, they all say the same message even when it's wrong. Okay. And, and we, we know how wrong it is because the COVID stuff just really exposed that. Right. So then there has to be a deeper agenda. And folks, you, you just have to wake up to that or you're going to keep your head in the sand. There's something going on. Somebody at a very high level is pulling strings because you got to understand many good people. I mean, Del Bigtree was on the doctor's show. He left that show because they would not allow him to investigate properly the vaccine issue. That was became a taboo topic. And yet that was the doctor's show. So that was a wake up for him. And he made the movie Vaxxed. And, and and that's a movie you need to see if you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, if you haven't and seen it, you absolutely need to yeah. see it. Then there's Mickey Willis, who likewise uh, turned his back on a lucrative career in the film industry and made the movies Plandemic and Plandemic 2, and there's a third one coming out. Uh, 
which by the way, was just looking at what's available on the internet, information that's out there that you and I can access. And you could see that this epidemic, this pandemic was actually planned. Now, if, if that's news to you, like if you're hearing that for the first time, oh, this doctor's whack, mm-hmm. right? You, you think I've lost my mind. Well, okay, contempt prior to investigation. I'm going to challenge you to go ahead and read his book, Plandemic, or watch the movie, or just do a little digging yourself into the things that he's saying you should look at. And you'll see that, hmm, there's something else going on at a very sinister level. And this isn't conspiracy theory. It's, it's out in the open. All right. The conflicts of interest, like things like Bill Gates having money in almost every aspect of all of this. Uh, what The book's coming out, uh, Fauci, that uh, RFK Jr. wrote. It's coming out right. this next week. Uh, I haven't read it. It hasn't come out yet. I wasn't one of the, the reviewers of the book. But look, I'm curious enough that I will read it. I encourage you to read it. Because your choices, when you're faced with what's going on in this world today that just doesn't feel quite right, your choice is just to say, oh, everything will be fine and ignore it. Or why don't you look into it? Yeah. And and figure it out for yourself. I've questioned this. You know, I grew up in a pretty alternative minded family, uh, really alternative minded family. So questioning authority when it comes from the government and and, uh, corporations and things like that has frankly, kind of come naturally to me because that's how my dad did it. And I learned uh, a lot of what I what I know from him. And so for me, it's it's a really strange thing for me to see people seemingly willingly turning their head away and their eyes away from this, I think, plainly obvious uh, stuff that's going on right now in, in this country and in the world. You are an interesting, I mean, people like yourself and they're there are a lot of doctors, not the majority by any stretch, but there are a lot of doctors like yourself who have become awake post-medical school, you know, once they get into practice and start to see some of the issues and and don't turn their eyes away and don't right. shield their eyes and say, whoa, I don't want to see that. Because the right. thing about this stuff is it to me, and, and I believe that COVID is doing this for a lot of people, is they're getting a little peek behind the curtain and they're able to say, Oh my gosh, there's a lot of stuff there. And then it's hard to unsee what you've seen, right? Thank you. You said it exactly. My problem is I know what I know. I can't unknow it. Right. I've seen what I've seen. I can't unsee it. And there's no turning back unless you want to be, well, I'm sorry to say it, but unethical, right? Right. If I'm going to put my own personal gain, I mean, oh my gosh, I have turned my back on millions and millions of profits. by choosing to basically self-destruct my career. Yeah. And because it was, it was clear as day when I wrote that book, the vaccine friendly plan in 2016, I knew this day would come that is here today where they're taking my license. Well, they already did got it reinstated with, with restrictions, but I'm still in that battle for my career. Why? Because I simply showed the world a little bit of information that's already there. I didn't create this information. So, well, and, yeah, and it's, it's financially. I mean, let's just uh, talk about that for a second. I, you're making millions of dollars on your book and millions of dollars on posting that study, <laughs> right? No, let's let's put that clear. <laughs> uh, I have not made a penny on my book since the first 
couple years. Okay, we did get a royalty to write it. Okay. But no, we're not we're not getting any royalties yet. Okay. So I'm making nothing on my book. Uh, I have not had a paycheck. This is I'm going into my 12th month now. Okay. When they took my license last December of 2020, instantly my ability to make money went away. I'm trying to preserve my medical practice, which has been a challenge because when you lose your license, you start losing insurance contracts mm-hmm. and all sorts of issues. So it's it's been a battle. I have still not taken a single paycheck since dis- early, well, since November of 20. Yeah, it's a year now. It's coming up on a year. Uh, no, there's zero money coming in. And I'm out here speaking from my heart because I don't know what else to do. It, this is important. People need to understand um, doctors who are willing to sacrifice their careers are not doing it for the money. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do to tell you what we're seeing. Because here's my situation. I am uniquely, I mean, there's only a handful of us in the country who know what I know to the extent that I know it in the sense that we're seeing. So how many pediatric practices in this country have hundreds and hundreds of unvaccinated patients and they have partially vaccinated patients and they have fully vaccinated patients. There's only a handful of us. Most doctors have fully vaccinated patients. Right. They don't know what it's like to have a population that's as healthy as I have in my unvaccinated population. Or you have doctors who have just a few hundred unvaccinated patients. Right. And that's what, and that's what they have. And that's great. And those patients are actually doing quite well. I'm in this unique position put here at this time in history to have this information, this contrast between the healthy unvaccinated and the not so healthy vaccinated. And the contrast between the more vaccines you get, the sicker and the more chronic disease you have. It, it's so clear. I thought I had to get this data out to the world. So I did knowing again, now I'm really putting a target on me. And sure enough, five days later, they yank my license But that just proves the point, doesn't it? If you're paying attention, if you're skeptical at all, think about it. I have nothing to gain financially from sharing this information. Yeah, you have nothing Nothing to gain and and you have so much to lose because it's not just financial uh, losses and career loss, which obviously are massive, but even reputation, right? I mean, you you get slandered and smashed like crazy. The reputation's gone. Practice is, is struggling. Uh, when I lost my license, you automatically lose your all your hospital contracts. You automatically lose all your insurance contracts. I mean, I was contracted with about 20 different insurance plans. I then lost my board certification. So I've been board certified in pediatrics for 30 years. I've been board certified in addiction medicine for 13 years or 10 plus years. Uh, those went away and I tried to contest it because they I hadn't had my day in court yet. They didn't care. So I have lost all professional certifications, all ability to be a regular doctor as you will, if you will. And last momentarily, I'll be bitter once in a while, but I'm not bitter. I don't want the audience to think that this guy is just angry and bitter. It's been the best year of my life. Why? Because I'm living my purpose. This is what I was brought here to do. That's why I'm on this show with you. You know, people would say, well, what are you doing? (laughs) My mom, I come from a super liberal family. Uh, So, you know, uh, very democratic, very liberal. And we were always, I grew up missionary kid. We were always about, you know, rallying for the poor and the underprivileged and those who don't have a voice. 
And then I'm finding with this COVID situation and these vaccine mandates, the Democratic Party, what used to be my party, if you will, has completely turned their back on the little people, the people who are being harmed by the vaccines, et cetera, et cetera. So my mom's going to me this morning when I was talking to her, she says, well, I just wish you would have different bedfellows. And that was this code word for politics. I'm going, mom, <laughs> this issue is not political. I don't have a party. I have, this is all about freedom. This is all about body integrity. This is about health. It should not be based on parties. But unfortunately, it's sort of become that way. But it, it shouldn't be. If you're listening, it doesn't matter what your party is. Just think about the health of your kids. We need to put kids first. I, I'm, I'm starting an organization, Kids for, Kids First Forever. We've got to, and the four is the, the number four, not the spelled out word. Uh, yeah, it's time to, to organize and, and coalesce and really try to put kids first where they belong. Because if we damage this generation of kids, like we're probably going to do if we in, enforce this COVID-19 vaccine program, uh, genetic modification of a generation, I don't know where it's going to end because we don't know. We, we have no data on long-term fertility. We have no data on long-term immune system being able to survive this. Uh, it is the most dangerous thing I've ever witnessed in my life. And that's why I'm talking out. Well, and that's the the thing that for you to say that, that this is the most dangerous thing you've seen in your life after having evidence of what all of these other vaccines have been doing uh, over the you know dozens of years that they've been used uh, with the CDC schedule and so on. That's a that's a pretty uh, grim prognosis, I guess, uh, in terms of what you know could come of this. And I've, clearly you and I are on the same page as far as, as that goes. So I would like to. Uh, we've we've bumped up against our our time and I want to make sure I let you go because I know you're a busy guy. But a couple of quick things, if it's okay. One, I want to make sure that everybody understands uh, what they need to do or how they can access the information that you've shared, you know, briefly on here in terms of being able to see these numbers that you're talking about, vaxxed versus unvaxxed, where can they go? Okay. So I started a new show, Against the Wind, Doctors and Science Under Fire. The website is doctorsandscience.com. Doctors and science. Write that down yep. myself. And the word A-N-D, yep. doctorsandscience.com. You go there. If you want to support the work I'm doing, become a member. It's a cup of coffee a month, $4.95 a month. And that money, so far, it's not quite funding the production of the show. So I'm not making money on that either. <laughs> but I'm trying to have the show be self-funded. Okay. Uh, I haven't taken a penny from it. It's just supporting my production crew. Uh, but members get access to all my presentations that I'm giving around the country. My PowerPoints are there. Uh, so that's a that's a great place to go. You can also, you know, get this kind of information at the Children's Health Defense, Highwire. There's lots of places, right? But specifically for my talks, go to doctorsandscience.com. Uh, if you wanted to support the legal fund, which is, you know, the massive legal issues I've been facing, is it's ftc.dpapproved.com. And that's where donations can go for my legal fund, FTC. That's short for free to choose. So ftc.dp for Dr. Paul, ftc.dpapproved.com. And that's where you can make donations to the legal fund. Uh, and then just join me on my show. It's a weekly show doctorsandscience.com, and I'm bringing to you experts from around the world. Uh, we just had 
Josh Getzko. I just interviewed him yesterday. He'll be on an upcoming show from Israel. Um, actually, a very interesting point was made from from a couple of different different people I interviewed in Israel. The most one of the most vaccinated countries in the world. So the two shot series, and they're only doing Pfizer there. The two shot series was completed a long time ago. I think last May. They're now gearing up for their fourth. So they've done shot number three, booster, booster one. Right. They're gearing up for booster two. But the interesting data point that I had not read anywhere was that they immunized about five and a half million people with the two booster series. They've had over two million of those five million refuse to get the booster. Mm. So they're waking up. That wow, same point 40%. you just made, that people are waking up to folks, we've got a problem here. And so to be, and they have a passport, a vaccine passport, it's called a green card, I think. You will not be up to date unless you get your third booster. That's already in force, but it's looking like pretty soon, even people who get the third booster, they won't be up to date either. They're not going to have an adequate passport until they get the next booster. You can see this coming, folks. This is mandated medical interventions that you don't get to choose on or you lose access to society. I mean, these people who don't have their passport up to date get barred from uh, sporting events, travel. Uh, pretty soon, uh, there's some stores you can't even enter. It's, it's a, I mean, if you want to think about apartheid in South Africa, I grew up in Southern Africa. And the black folks in, in, in South Africa could not enter cities and certain parts unless they had their card. They had to have a special card to move around. It was a very restrict, restrictive society, and, and only the privileged had the full rights to move around in society. That's where we're headed. It's clear as day. That is what's coming very soon right here in America. It's already happening in Israel. It's already happening in Australia. You know, wake up. Let's, let's unite. It doesn't take half of us to say no, it's 10, 20% of us saying we won't participate in this nonsense and, and we can stop this. Yeah. A hundred percent. For the information that uh, uh, Dr. Paul just shared, uh, we will have that uh, in the podcast notes uh, wherever you're listening to this. So you can uh, link to those two things. Uh, so if you didn't get a chance to write that down, that's okay. We'll, we'll get that for you. Uh, and then uh, the, the last thing I want to uh, bring up before I let you go is uh, the, in terms of the book that you wrote, The Vaccine-Friendly Plan. For parents who are concerned about not doing vaccines, uh, do you believe that your work, you know, not doing them at all, but they are also concerned about following the CDC schedule, do you still believe that that book is uh, as good an approach as people can take? No, let's be clear. If you've woken up to the dangers of vaccines and you don't want to vaccinate, you don't need my book for yourself. You need that book for the people who want to follow the CDC schedule because you can't take somebody who already is all in on vaccines and take them from all to none in one conversation. Right. So so this book will open their minds. And, and very often I've heard the story, I read that book and I realized I can't do any vaccines. Okay. <clears throat> right. Because you, you, you open the mind to the fact that there's problems. Right. The book highlights research on problems with aluminum. Well, if you look at that and you go, well, why would I do any aluminum? Right. I 
I do need to write a sequel. I, I've gotten no interest from my uh, my agent says the publisher won't won't do it. Uh, my co-author feels the same way. They won't do it. So I'm going to have to write another book, The Vaccine-Friendly Plan Revisited, with a new chapter on uh, the new data on the vaxxed, unvaxxed information. Uh, because frankly, once you see that, I think it's completely logical and sensible and reasonable to not vaccinate at all. Okay. I, I mean, you know, if it's first do no harm, what we have to realize, folks, is what keeps us healthy is a robust, healthy immune system. And you get that through proper nutrition, avoiding toxins, rest, sleep, exercise, community, love, not from poisoning your system with too many vaccines too soon, immune activation, aluminum toxicity, et cetera, et cetera, formaldehyde, et cetera. I mean, you look at the ingredients in vaccines, you certainly wouldn't eat them. Why would you inject them? It just doesn't make sense. Now, having said that, I sounded anti-vaccine there, folks. I am not. I'm just waiting for that perfect, safe vaccine. I haven't found one yet, but I'll keep looking. Yeah. I wanted to make sure because we haven't actually had that conversation and I, I kind of had a feeling what you might say, but I, uh, I know your feelings and thoughts on this have evolved a whole lot in the five years since you wrote that book. So I, I wanted to make sure we were uh, I gave you a chance to clarify that. Dr. Yeah. Thomas, I, we've gone over time. I appreciate your generosity with your time. Uh, we've had to reschedule this a few times because I know a lot of people want to talk to you. You're going around <laughs> the country doing uh, conferences and things like that. And I, I want to give you my sincerest thanks. Uh, and and for the people listening, I want you to understand, you know how you can you can feel inside when you meet somebody uh, what level of integrity that person might have. If there's someone that uh, generally can be uh, trusted, uh, who you can believe in, you can see and feel with a handshake and a look in the eyes and listening and body language and all the other things that come with this uh, when somebody is telling you their truth. Now, I will say this, your truth and my truth may not be the same truth. What you believe and, and I'm talking generally what you believe versus what I believe, what what uh, Dr. Thomas believes, those truths can be very different. Uh, if you think about religion and, uh, you know, someone who believes in, in one religion versus another religion, they can both have a very, very strong, uh, sincere belief in that truth. But when someone is speaking their truth, you can tell that they're speaking their truth. I believe you can feel it. You can see it. That's what I felt with Dr. Thomas uh, when when I met you at the symposium a couple months ago here in Utah. I shook your hand. I looked in your eyes. I listened to you present. None of this is anything but sincere. Everything that you say, everything that you speak, I feel it, and I I happen to agree. But I don't know that if I disagreed, I could believe less that you believe what you're what you're actually saying. And and because I've actually been in the room with you. And uh, stood on the stage with you and and that I wanted to give you listening uh, what my impression was when I met uh, Dr. Thomas. And, and for that, I thank you because we need people like you out there sharing this information who actually have true on the ground experience with real patients receiving these medicines these vaccines. And I am so grateful for you and the risks that you're taking. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that this last year of tumult has been a good year for you, considering all the crap that you're dealing with. So thank you again yeah. for your time. Thank you, Jared. I might just add uh, your talk about truth 
brings up something. The truth is singular in the sense that when you're looking at science, um, there can be different truths. Yes. All right. And I, I want to use an example that I think is so important for people to understand that most people don't get, including doctors, which is shocking, but true. And that has to do with relative risk or absolute risk. And this is a statistical trickery that is used by the pharmaceutical industry for the rollout of almost every single product that they bring to market. I'm going to use COVID-19 as the example. So in the Pfizer trials that were published, so you can go get their package insert and you can look at this and you can run the numbers yourself. Okay. There were about 18,000. It's a nice big study. There were about 18,000 patients who got placebo, meaning supposedly salt water. And there were about 18,000 who got the vaccine. Okay. At some point, fairly early on in the trials, they stopped and they stopped when they had less than 200 cases out of those almost 40,000 people in the trial, when they had less than 200 cases of people who got a COVID positive test, they said, aha, here's our data. And that's what they brought to the world. And they continue to hammer have you heard 96% effective, mm -hmm. 97% effective, 95% effective? So what they did to get that number was called relative risk. So it was just based on, let's use a rounded out 200. It's easy to do the math. Well, let's just say 10 of those 200 who got a positive COVID test, mind you, none of them were uh, ICU or deaths. They were just, they, they got sick and had a positive test. Right which is why they've always said that the, the trials didn't show that it reduced hospitalizations or death. It just showed whether it reduced getting a mild cold, like COVID illness. Got it. Yep. So if 10 of those 200, I'm rounding out numbers for easy math. If 10 of those 200 were in the vaccinated and 190 of the 200 were in the unvaxed relative to each other, that's a 95% effective vaccine. That's what they've been quoting in the news. But in reality, there were 40,000 participants. So even in the unvaxxed who had those 190 cases out of the 18, almost 20,000, less than 1% of the unvaccinated got a cold, got a COVID positive cold symptoms, cough, maybe right. fever, whatever. So that vaccine, the vaccine group was 0.1 or 2 or 3 or 4 or whatever, slightly less, right? Relatively, it was better. But the vaccine prevented less than 1%. So it's a 99% failure or a 1% success. <laughs> That's not what you hear in the news. No. You hear the relative risk reduction, which was 95% effective or whatever. Anyway, that's about truth. The truth is the relative risk reduction was 95%. That's true. The truth is the absolute risk reduction was 1%, actually less than 1%. That's the truth. Whose truth do you want to listen to? Well, if they're both true, it, pay attention to both of them, but put them in context. Right. Put it... Put Use the information wisely, right? We are given a brain that 
I mean, you know, humans are gifted with a brain that you can actually think with and you can actually use discernment and, and process the information and make sure it makes sense in the real world that they're not, you're not being subjected to statistical trickery, which is what they've been doing with the, I mean, the science is so, I call it tobacco science. Okay, you're going to smoke, you're going to smoke a pack a day and I'm not going to smoke. And uh, a week from now, we're going to see which one of us died. Neither of us died. It's tobacco safe. Yep. That's tobacco science. And, and that's what they've done with vaccines. It's what they've done with most pharmaceutical products. The actual risk reduction is often minuscule. Yeah. In fact, the studies coming out now about long-term protection from these vaccines, they're showing after several months, it's going to close to zero or in some cases negative. In other words, the vaccinated are actually a few months out you get seven, nine, ten months out, they're actually at, in worse shape as far as risk from COVID. So, it, folks, yes, it's science, and yes, there's truth, but you don't, don't forget your gut feeling and your common sense logic. Think it through. Know what you're being told. Don't listen to what's on the news. Uh, I, I can't watch the news anymore. It is, yeah, it's, it it's feels like stomach turning. It feels like 99% propaganda. Yeah. And, and even my mom would say, well, well, Paul, how can they all be wrong? <laughs> they're, they're all reading the same news release. Yep, they're all reading from the same script. That's how they can all be wrong. There's, there's a, and you probably know this better than me because you're in journalism and you, you, you know, you do this for a living, but you know, AP wire or whatever, they, somebody is giving them what to read. Yep. Well, you can see yeah. those. Uh, you can go on YouTube anytime you want, and you can, uh, you know, Google uh, same news report in multiple locations or that sort of thing, and and you'll right. see literally all the local news across the country, word for word, using the exact same script because it all comes yeah. from one source, and and that source yeah. is there's money and influence behind that Funded. source in a substantial way. Yeah. So, tr so yeah, not all truth is created equal. Right. Uh, and, right. and, and really my, my, uh, key point is just that I think this maybe is, I, I, this is probably a good way to wrap up this show. I believe in America in particular, but certainly in other countries in the world as well, that we have been essentially trained as patients to hand over the right to our health decisions to someone in a white coat. Yeah. And that man or woman who went to medical school, graduated and became board certified, they know best for our health needs. And I refute that 100%. And I'm talking to yep. a doctor right now, but I refute yep. that 100% because the only person ultimately responsible for your health is you. Now, yep. you can make really bad decisions with your health. You can make really good decisions with your health, but it should be, in every case, your decision to make. And handing over your health decisions to someone else because, well, they know what they're doing and I don't, that's a pretty weak excuse uh, in my view. And so my goal with what I do with Vitality Radio has always been to shed light on topics that aren't seeing a lot of uh, mass media attention. And then let you decide. I don't care if you believe me. I don't care if you think yeah. I'm a, a, a charlatan or a saint. It matters not to me. What matters is I'm going to give you my truth as I believe it because I have looked at both sides. 
And then yeah. I expect that you will go do your own research and figure out if you ought to believe what I'm presenting or not, right? Yep. And and to yep. me, that's really the ultimate goal here is to just get people to actually take charge of their own health, which means they have to look at both sides. You get to decide risk versus reward. You get to decide yep. if it's something that you should put into your body or not into your body. And that doesn't matter if it's a vaccine or if it's a food item or a supplement. Whatever it is, you ought to be looking at both sides of that to make the right decision for you and your family. Really, it's that simple. Yep. And Jared, I'm going to close with one last thought. Okay. If you're listening and you are an adult and you want to go get the COVID vaccine, you want to do whatever it is, ride a motorcycle without a helmet, eat crap food, not exercise, do whatever you want to do that you kind of know is probably not good for you. That's your, you're an adult. Go for it. Knock yourself out. Children. I'm a pediatrician. Soon not to be allowed to take care of kids, but I can still talk about it. Children need their parents to protect them. Yes. We protect our children from danger. That's our charge. If you are a parent, that's your job. Do not turn your back on your job and leave that up to a white coat or a senator, somebody who's under the influence of big money. It is your job to protect until it is absolutely clear that the choice you're having them make is absolutely safe. There is no way on this green earth that the COVID vaccine is known to be safe. There's no long-term testing. Not even close. Do not give up your responsibility and just sort of, oh, well, or... Or allow your child to talk you into it because they want to go play with their friends on a soccer team or they want they have to have it to go to school or they have to have it for what? You have to protect them. I am passionate. I'm serious about this. It is your job. Otherwise, why did you become a parent? You're going to let them go and uh, shoot up some heroin or meth because their friends are doing it? Are you going to let them go... Um, have orgies in the red light district because their friends are doing it? No, you're not. You need to stand firm right now for your kids until we have years of data on a genetic modifying treatment because we don't know what's going to happen. I am very fearful for the fertility of our future of our future generations. I am very fearful for the overall health as far as cancers and immune system challenges. Like I think it's going to be a disaster. I hope I'm wrong, but until we know, Please protect your children. Absolutely. I couldn't wrap it up any better than that. Dr. Thomas, thank you so much for your time and, and really for your efforts. It's, it's absolutely necessary right now. And I honor what you're doing and appreciate it very, very much. Uh, as I said, for you listening, uh, the information on how to get more information from Dr. Thomas uh, will be posted uh, in the show notes uh, on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Please go look into it, uh, learn more. The uh, information here is valuable and you're getting it from someone who's on the ground actually seeing it in real patients. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Thomas. Thanks, Jared. It was a pleasure being on your show. All right. We'll talk soon. Take care. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. 
Vitality Radio is researched, produced, and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.